Welcome to Off The Bench with Scott Sattler and Jason Matthews, the show that covers all things NRL. And there's a bit of badge in here as well. Welcome to Off The Bench, uh, Rugby League World Cup final this weekend. And that's our focus. Going to catch up with Dan Holdsworth, assistant coach uh, of Samoa. Uh, Vossi, who's over in the UK. We caught up with him earlier in the week. And Greg Brandy Alexander went on a couple of kangaroo tours. We'll have a chat with him as well. In fact, let's kick it off with Brandy right now. The open side. Fittler back through on the inside. He's got supported. Alexander shut the gate. He's in under the posts. Good stuff from Fittler. And the two youngsters from Penrith combine to put Australia in again. Our next guest is Greg Brandy Alexander. Now the reason One of 97 tries on that I was going to say, in that game against Halifax Badge on the 1992 a Kangaroo yeah. Tour, is that the game he scored six tries or something? Ask Brandy. I'm not sure. I think he did it most weeks. Brandy? Uh, is, yeah. and, and Badge was nervous about his spot too on that tour oh. with you killing it. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Please. As if he was. No, come on. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. Was was Halifax Thrum Hall, wasn't it? That was their was home that, ground. Is that know. the ground that slope, slopes about a metre or so from from one side of the field to the other? That's how, yeah, that's Halifax. Badge, yeah. it does. It does. And, and remember, uh, yeah, Don Ferner's advice to us on the 86 tour was uh, run downhill <laughs> and use the ball. Let the ball do the work up the hill. Don't run uphill. Because it was it was sideline to sideline the slope. Yes. Um, there is there is a ground there is a ground in um, I think the home I think Batley. Uh, it runs it's north south, but the slope is downhill. Like you're running either uphill or downhill, either half. <laughs> oh, but no. Halifax was sideline <laughs> side to, side. to sideline. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah yeah yeah. And truth is, yes, I was I was very worried on that tour, Brandy, because you killed it. Um, on your on your on that second kangaroo tour, so yeah, we're we're gonna we want to have a chat to you about the boys over there at the moment playing against uh, Samoa, Brandy, the Aussies yep. against Samoa. Are you got mixed feelings about this one, given that the the strong Penrith contingent with uh, in both sides? Um, well, no, Badge. I, you know, I, I want Australia to win. Um, it was it was great to see Samoa bounce back, and I was happy for the boys. Um, you know Spencer and Jerome, but in particular Jerome, uh, because I, and I think Jerome's had a great uh, World Cup. I think he's I think he's picked up three men of the match awards, and after they were smashed by England early, um, you know it was uh, they came under a lot of criticism, and, and and rightly so. You know when you when you go into a game as favourite and you get beaten by sixty, well yeah. something's gone wrong. But they turned it around pretty quickly. But I've my badge, my allegiances are, you know, Aussie. And I think I think Australia, I think they're ready to put a performance together because they really haven't. And they've come through a, a tough physical game against the Kiwis. I think it might click. I, I think they can put ooh, 20, 30. I think they can win by 20 or 30. That really, it really I was their first, their first tough game. And that's why uh, there's been some criticism about Australia's performances. But until that game on the weekend against New Zealand, that was they were relatively easy matches and it's hard to switch from from winning by 30 40 50 over to a a, a, a close game like that and such a good opponent yeah look I, I think it was uh, I think for a lot of the players it's been a, a really different they, they find themselves in you know playing games that they knew they were going to win it was by how much they were going to win uh, and then all of a sudden you roll into and, and Mal's sort of been tinkering with the side and um, you know I don't have any great problems with that and uh, everyone's had a game, but all of a sudden you roll into the Kiwis and 
yeah, you, you knew you were in for a fight. Now, I guess, you know, the Kiwi game was more like an NRL game. It was tough. It was tight. The play the balls were a little bit slower than, you know, and it's hard for both sides. The Kiwis never really clicked into gear either. Um, you know, they, they were... They're a bit stop-start, like the Australian side have been, but it was who was, you know, going to who was going to be better on the day, and, and Australia were just better on the day. You know, the Kiwis could have easily won that. A couple of close calls in the second half that could have easily been, you know, four pointers and led to a win. But um, I think, you know, I think Australia now that side's been together for a couple of games now, coming through a tough game. I think they'll be primed for a good one. Now, Brandy, take your Penrith Allegiance hat off and put your number seven hat on and I know he, he didn't have the greatest of games Nathan Cleary in that semi-final but does it still bewilder you why some believe he should be replaced for the final with Daly Cherry Evans um, well I, I you know I, Nathan hasn't had a great World Cup but you know it's, there's plenty of players that fall into the same boat and I think so much is expected of Nathan and because that was the big talking point right throughout the pool games was who was going to be the number seven. And I, I think most people thought that Nathan would get the, the nod in the end. Um, and while he didn't play great, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't starred. He's, he's, he's done his job. Um, and sometimes it is hard to shine in a side where it's just not fluent. And I'm not surprised that Mal's gone with, you know, uh, Cleary again, uh, but I, I, I can understand people and supporters of, of Cherry, which, you know, I've been a big supporter of Daly over his 20 years that he's played. He's a great player. Um, but Mal's made the change, and I think you stick with it. And they did win. They beat Kiwis. Like, you know, if, if they had lost and gone home, well, you know, the story might have been different. But, um, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not surprised that Mal's stuck solid at all. So this Samoan side, and I agree with you, I think, Australia probably do it comfortably in the final. But if they are to create one of the biggest upsets in rugby league history, Samoa, what do they have to do? Uh, well, they have to make it uncomfortable for Australia. And, and if they cannot let them get in a rhythm, you know, if they can, if they cannot let uh, Cleary and Yo and, Yo and, and Munster get into a bit of rhythm, bit of a rhythm with their with their attack, well, they're they're half a chance. Sats, they've mm. they've got enough. They've got enough strike out there to score the points, uh, although the, the defence of the Australians will be something that they haven't faced yet. They haven't, you know, England's defence isn't Australia's defence. So uh, if they're going to beat Australia, they need to unsettle them and get them off their game and not allow them to get into a rhythm, which will be very hard. And then they've got to be, able to, they've got to be good enough to make metres, get field position, uh, they've certainly got the players to do that, but I, I think Australia's defence is going to be... It, it'll be rock solid. It, it'll be hard to break. Mm. Uh, you know, and tries might come through kicks, and, um, you know, Australia will have to be off their game um, and not click uh, for Samoa to win, I think. Now you talked uh, just a moment ago about Nathan Cleary winning the number seven. Well, he actually hasn't. <laughs> He's got the number 14. <laughs> what, are you th- what are your thoughts on this... <laughs> For mine, this horrific numbering Brain. system. Six weeks. Oh, it's shocking. Oh. Is it the most harebrained idea that <laughs> anyone has ever come up with? Oh. Like it really, it's 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 actually taken away a little bit. Um, and look, I know the players; they're playing. You know, they play for the, the the crest on the front of the jersey and all that. I've I've you know I've heard all the players talk about 
you know, the numbers that they're wearing and they're, you know, they don't want to bag it, but boy, oh boy, like really, you know, Isaiah you know, running around in number 24, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's crazy. You, you and I, we know all the players because we're, we're commentators, we follow yeah. the game. But I'm watching the other night, yeah. the other morning with and my wife out of bed and she went, oh, who's wearing number 22? What, why is it? And so for people who aren't, really familiar with the players. It's so confusing. Yep. And she made a good comment. She said, what if New Zealand did the same thing? How confusing that would have been. Yeah. What if every team had done it? Oh, yep. I, I think it's, it's, yeah. it's going to well, be finished. The only saving grace is the saving, yeah, the saving grace is they, they got their names across the back. Um, otherwise, it would have been a complete disaster. Mm. But um, I think the names across the back has saved them. And But yeah, anyway, it, it's, it's final time. We're, we're sort of, we're, we're, yeah, we're, one we're more. Done with that. One more. I was wondering yeah. why Val Holmes was a yeah. dummy half all the time. I realised it was <laughs> Benny Hunt. Now, um, off air, off air, Brandy, myself and Badge and Jace, uh, we always like to pick Badge's brain about kangaroo tours because you know there must be such a great time mm. with your life. And he said, "Oh, the '86 tour when Brandy was only a young guy. I think he'd been playing first grade a couple of years, and he said he was he was killing it. You know, he's a Rothmans medal winner, and um, and then he said." Uh, but Terry Lamb had him in a headlock for the entire time. <laughs> What's the story there? Yeah, he did. The bar steered me in directions that uh, I'd never been before. So, um, and, and he and he got me drinking vodka. So, vodka you know, and pineapple was, or something? Was, was it pineapple? Vodka and pineapple. You <laughs> get a vodka. They give you a vodka. That. And 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 then they give you a little bottle of pineapple. And it was how good is this? Like you know, uh, you could tip as little or as much vodka in, uh, pineapple in. As you wanted, yeah. So that was uh, no. It was a great experience. What I was saying today um, that one of the, one of the best things about tours is getting to know players from other clubs um, because you know you you watch them, especially as a young bloke. When I when I was on that eighty six tour, God, like you know, I played against them, but didn't know any of the Queenslanders um, and didn't you know didn't know any of the. Because uh, I hadn't played Origin, and so really hadn't had much to do with any other players apart from Royce was on the tour. I knew Langmack and I knew Ciro because we'd played school footy together and against each other. But um, that is definitely the highlight for me, getting to know the other the players from the other clubs. And I think the boys on this tour are experiencing the same thing because there's been no Aussie games for the last three years, and a lot of them haven't played for Australia. So mm. they've played Origin against each other and they've played grand finals against each other, but they really don't know them. So um, I reckon that's been a highlight for a lot of them, getting to know the players that they've played against for the last three, four years, but never played with and really haven't had that much to do with them. Now, Brent, that is a highlight for sure. Fast yeah. forward four years to 1990 and you're in your second tour, and but he, he ends up being your brother-in-law, Mark Guy, married your sister. and um, Yep. And he's a kid that probably wouldn't have been out of too far of the the M4 or the Great Western Highway heading into the city. Then, well, he then still you, hasn't. Well, then you throw him in the U- <laughs> then you throw him in the UK <laughs> for two months, three yeah. months. Mate, yeah, absolute craziness, you know. And and Keith Barnes, the manager, like Barnes, he left as a you know a very fit, young-looking, sort of 60-year-old. <laughs> Barnsley looked 80. By the time he, left <laughs> he did. <laughs> and, 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 and it wasn't all MG. Yeah, that part of the problem was he's one of the boys from his own club. Bloody blocker. Blocker. Uh, yeah, so what, 
He said, Walker, do you want to be the first bloke ever sent home from a kangaroo tour? And I said, he said, well, you're bloody close to being at. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. No, it's very good. Hey, kangaroo uh, tours, best, best time of your life. Just just back to the World Cup and the golden boot, boot got named. I heard you and Vossi talking about it at great length and um, Joey Manu getting that. But is it is it confusing for us to understand why they – would pick it before the finals actually played. Jerome Luai's won three grand, uh, three man of the match awards against Tonga and and England. And Junior mm. Barlow's been great. I would have thought those guys, you know, if they win, if they do yeah, something yeah. Well, amazing in the final, you would have thought they'd be a chance. That's right. Well, well, if Jerome Luai, like if Samoa won the World Cup and Jerome Luai won man of the match, that would be four man of the matches in the tournament. Well, how, how could you, how could you say? And if this is all they're voting on, because we haven't played international football and. The golden boot's gone a little bit funny. It's lost its luster, yes. I think. All right, Brandy, mate, it's yeah. been great uh, chatting to you. Good, boys. Uh, we love your show. Brandy and Vossi for breakfast, or Vossi and Brandy. We'll put you first. Brandy and Vossi for breakfast every morning on SEN <laughs> uh, 1170 in Sydney. We get an hour of it in Queensland too, yep. boys, because of daylight yeah. savings as well. Uh, Brandy, thanks for your time on Sports Day. Thanks, boys. Good to chat. This is Off the Bench NRL. We'll be back soon. Welcome back. This is Off The Bench NRL. This happened in the early hours of Sunday morning. Milford again is in position, but they're also going to go back to Crichton. Crichton's got time to try and win it for Samoa. And Stephen Crichton is a history maker. Samoa into the final of the Rugby League World Cup. Yeah, amazing scenes there of Samoa going into the World Cup against the Kangaroos. And what a game it was, 27-26 against, against England. And as they panned to the coaching box, Matt Parrish was excited. And the man to his right, former NRL player, now assistant coach of the Samoan side, is Daniel Holdsworth. How are you, Dan? Hey, Sats. I'm good, mate. Yourself? Very well, very well. And uh, you spent some time in the UK anyway as a player. It's uh, under different circumstances and... Much exciting circumstances. How's the feeling amongst the uh, amongst the squad? Oh, mate, it's been unreal. Um, obviously, the last couple of days has, has been um, yeah. The boys are you know ecstatic, and they're still in a bit of cloud nine. With we um, we were in London sort of Saturday in that game, so uh, had a few beers after the game and had had a bit of a celebration and a good time, and then travelled up to Manchester yesterday, um, and the boys are off today, so. Um, yeah, it's still still a bit of a, a vibe at the moment, which is good. What needed to change, Dan, after that round one loss against England, sixty to six? Something obviously needed to change, or was it just a timing? The the time you'd arrived hadn't had time to to really form any combinations. Oh, mate, yeah, like all of the above. We like we probably, to be fair, we probably played the most prepared team in the competition, which was England, right? So they'd finished. You know, a couple of weeks before us, that had squads all year. The team was in the home country. That you know, they'd been they'd been together for a while, and and they played a good team. So um, we knew we were up against it. Our guys coming sort of on, on the Sunday, so they, you know, just a week from now that in. So uh, that was a bit clunky. Um, and then also like myself, I never coached in this environment either. So me and Radders had never coached together. We'd never coached with Matt. So it was just a big work curve for us, mate. We probably got a lot of stuff wrong that week. Um, obviously, the boys weren't as prepared as they should have. Um, 
we we lost three guys for the whole tournament in the first half, so kind of just I don't know, all caught up to us and then spiraled out of control. But it was it was good in hindsight, mate. It sort of hardened us up and stiffened us up for the next week, and um, obviously the boys bit of bit of a reality check, and we just got back on with it. Well, Daniel, it's uh, Gary Belcher, mate. Thanks for joining us. Um, what? How important was it then after that that you got the chance to play some lesser lights without being disrespectful? You play Greece, you play France, who've uh, who've been struggling, and then you can find some sort of you know semblance of form before you had that all important game against uh, Tonga. Yeah, I thought about this a, a little bit. Um, obviously, it, it worked out for us. Um, agree, it was obviously good to play some lesser countries and get some sort of you know connection and some. Um, confidence, like you, like you said, um, but also on the on the flip side of that is we sort of previewed England this time, the opposite. Like they played us at our worst, and then they obviously went on to play the same guys in our pool um, that were the lesser sort of countries. So we we kind of thought going down on the weekend that they hadn't really been challenged. They played us, like I said, at their worst, and then they had three sort of softer games. So. We sort of seen that as an advantage to us that they, you know, if we if we hang in there and you know play our best, see see what kind of warts come out when they really get under the pump. Mm. Um, so you know, on the flip side of these, it's hard to sort of get a gauge what's right or wrong. You sort of just got to play what's in what's in front of you, you know. Yeah, well, the players are doing just that. It looks to me like there's some um, some some. Real senior players have really stepped up, and probably some other players. Is that is that been the case as well as the? I mean, the coaching staff deserve a lot of credit. You've done your homework, but you can't achieve these great results without the senior players and some players really leading the way. Is that right? Oh, for sure, mate. Yeah, oh, Junior Paulo. Like it's my first sort of um, uh, meeting with Junior, so he's been. Super impressive, eh? and, and especially the last couple of weeks as a leader of the country and the captain. Um, you know, the boys really look up to him, and then obviously, I don't know, he, when he puts that jersey on, he sure finds another gear somehow. Um, but his last two performances, when you look at him, what he's what he's churning out, you know, pretty phenomenal. He's an amazing sort of bloke and an athlete. So, um, and then obviously, you know, we've had Jerome, who's had a great sort of year he, and we know he's a good player in the last couple of weeks he's really gone to a different level too so um they're all they're all chipping in in their own way um training really well preparing really well they're obviously really tight close bunch um sing and dance a lot around around training so they've obviously got uh, <laughs> a good connection there um and you know there's something in riding sort of riding the momentum that they've created you know so um, they're happy and training well. Dan, who's the biggest pain in the ass in camp? Oh, Stephen Crichton's, um he's not a pain in the ass, but he's full on. He's full on. He's loud. He's singing. He's yelling and dancing. He's on the bus. He never sits down on the bus. He's screaming from the back, but he's just got that knack of... Um, Everyone loves it, you know. Everyone loves what he's doing, and everyone—he's funny, and um, he sort of brings the group together for a bit. Now, spirit makes a lot of—you uh, know—what makes a team gel, <clears> and <throat> of course, skill. And Samoa have got plenty of that, but Australia have got a lot more. So, how do you overwhelm this this Australian kangaroo side? Yeah, good question. Um, 
I feel I feel like we obviously it's only it's only fair we knew the last couple of days it's happened, so we're sort of just sort of decompressing from that. Um but I don't know. It's just we just dare to dream, I suppose. Like the boys are boys are confident, they they understand what sort of talent they have in the room. Um you know, they've been up against it the whole sort of time. No one's really backed them at all really, so they're kind of quietly confident. Um and again, we know it's a different beast, so we're the underdogs, and we're riding the momentum, so we'll go in there prepared, um, have a game plan. Uh, the boys will be confident and just just give it a crack. You know, they'll be they'll be free, um, and I don't understand they'll need to be at their best, um, mm. and we'll need, we'll need to be sort of close to perfect um, to beat them. Um, but why not, really? You know, we've we've come this far, so we'll be we'll be there to throw down. Yeah, you, you talked about preparing for England, and, and the, you know they got them at a, you got them at a completely different stage than round one, um, and obviously you got a lot right there to come up with that that historic win. Can you see it changing much about the way the team comes it goes into this game or the game plan against Australia, or is that a little bit too late for, to do something like that? Oh yeah, no, we we won't um, change a game plan dramatically. Like we'll we'll rely on, especially from an attacking point of view, like our style of play is overarching for everything. So uh, we won't we won't change that. Um, but we'll we'll tinker with some stuff where we feel like there might be some chinks and maybe can get a result some somewhere along the line. Um, but we'll prepare um, like we have. The training's been amazing. Like those 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 Penrith blokes, um, they're next level when they hit the training field. So they've sort of brought the level of training up, and you know, as you can imagine, they're, they're a happy bunch. So they've been training really well. Um, so we'll keep we'll keep charging down that that sort of avenue, mate. And yeah, if we can if we can play at our best and be prepared at our best and, and find a couple of chinks along the way, then. Uh, that's what we aim for. Yeah, I was reading about the um, England T20 team that just won the the World Cup over here, and uh, Mike Hussey said they they d- didn't have he can't remember a single compulsory training session. Mm. He said it's been really relaxed, really low key, because they know what to bring on uh, on game day. Could you see? Would this week be pretty much low key, not too much pressure and stress on the side? Yeah, well, we kind of, we kind of um, understood that was the case last week, which was nice. Um, we knew all the pressure was on England, uh, home country, home World Cup. So, again, not much of a chance this week. The Aussies are obviously a different beast, so we'll, we'll go in with the same relaxed style. And, again, it's the back end of a seven-week campaign for the lads too, so mm. um, training time will be obviously... Um, minimal. Um, we'll get two good sessions in tomorrow and Thursday, and then roll into our captain run at Old Trafford on Friday. So, um, yeah, they'll be they'll be less than two hours on the field this week, you know. So, um, but they 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 can flick the switch and they'll get on there and they'll train at a good intensity and we'll get what we need to do and, and um, make sure they're fresh and have have energy to to charge on on Saturday. We've got a couple of fans here too, uh, Dan. I know Dan Holdsworth is DJ and. Uh, you got Fitzy here saying, say congratulations to DJ for me. And also, uh, Brisbane Eel says, DJ Holdsworth was born in Tweed. Of course, you moved over to WA as a young man, didn't you? I was, mate. Yeah. I was. Mm. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Mum and dad moved over there when I was about eight. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now, you've sent a lot of good young players. You're a good young player yourself, um, 17, 18, and being introduced to the Penrith Panthers. And then this kid now, what, 20 years down the track, DJ? 
you see this kid called Joseph Suwali, who's just turned 19 playing fullback. Do you just scratch your head at how phenomenal this kid is? Oh, he's amazing, man. Um, what, what, um, what first in my first impression of him is he, like, we were, we were when we first got to England, um, obviously it was, you know, dark and I'm jet lagged and it's cold and whatever. And he's up, he's up. I get up fairly early as, as a coach does now these days, but I'm up and he's up in the foyer and he's got his, he's got his diary out and he's taking notes and he's got his headphones in and he's listening to the stuff. Like he just, um, he's really a new age professional, he cares about his game. Um, so he was super um, impressed with that sort of first initiation with him. Um, and then him him on the training field, he's just, yeah, as you can see, he's an athlete, but he cares. He, he's thinking about his game. He's trying to get better every single day. He's out there last on the field. Um, and obviously he's been blessed with his physical attributes. Uh, he's, he's only 19 and he's playing like this now, so it's kind of scary what, what's going to happen in the future if he keeps going down this path. Yeah, absolutely. But he kind of looked like he's playing against boys at time on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, Dan Heldsworth, uh, thanks for joining us on, on Sports Day. And as you said, dare to dream. That's all you can do and you come out against a, a red-hot side, but um, you've got to be in it to win it. And you've done a great job so far, both you and Matty Parrish and, uh, and the team. And uh, good luck on the weekend in the final. Uh, cheers, lads. I appreciate having me on. This is Off The Bench NRL. We'll be back soon. Welcome back. This is Off The Bench NRL. Boys, the hardest man to get in rugby league. Well, he's the hardest worker in rugby league. And he might have been headbutted by Victor. Uh, has he? <laughs> Andrew Voss uh, joining us now from York in the UK. How are you, Vossy? Uh, yes, good evening, fellas. Good morning from uh, misty, foggy, slightly damp York this morning, but beautiful city, beautiful city. Wow, this is uh, probably one of the prettiest in all of the UK. There are some beautiful places, but no, I haven't been headbutted by Victor. Just been going about my business, getting from one place to the next, one game to the next, and now there's only finals day to go. Yeah, well, and watch your head in those doorways in York. It's all pretty, uh, pretty low there. Hey, uh, what chance... I noticed that last night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought, yeah, thought I did. so. I had one of those, mind your head last night. I actually clipped my head last night. Funny you should say that. I <laughs> my head last night. And I, and I, I saw the Simon and said, ah, oh, no, I'll clear that. No, boom. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. now, before we get on to the game, the big final, um, all games free to air in the UK, we've been told. How's the reaction been to, to our great game, Rugby League, over there in, in general, Vossi, from what you've seen? Well, uh, look, well, you know from your experience over here, uh, look, it's been fantastic, to be quite honest. I mean, I don't know what the normal, what's perceived as a great number, but I know the rugby league people are saying this is a great free-to-wear number. So for our listeners now, um, BBC, there's BBC 1, 2, 3, 4. So the big England games have been on BBC 1, and then next here is BBC 2, which still has huge viewership. So I'll give you an example of how good the numbers have been. When England women's played Papua New Guinea, um, which was just a pool game, one point it peaked at 1.2 million free-to-air viewers. Oh, wow. I mean, that's, that's an enormous figure. That's fantastic. The wheelchair competition, um, so good as it been, so big as the, um, you know, the reaction been to it, 
that BBC, where they had it on, they have this thing called iPlayer, which a lot of people have access to, and I've been able to watch iPlayer of sporting events or watch things um, on delay uh, on iPlayer City and Trains and things like that. They've promoted those games onto free-to-air because the reaction has been so big. So the wheelchair competition was getting big numbers, and we've got England versus France in the final here on Friday night. And the men's competition, quite obviously, with England, uh, they're, they're, you know, they've, they've peaked over the two million mark. So I think all in all, rugby league, look, it knows its place in the world of sport. And over here, football, the monster, the EPL and all the rest and the World Cups to start you know, on the weekend. Rugby union's bigger, but rugby league is making the most of its time in the sun. Although the sun doesn't come out all the time over here, but mm. for six weeks, it's, it's done its best to, you know, to put, its, uh, put its best foot forward. They've done a yeah. great job, Samoan, be able to turn around that uh, that first pool match against England, Vossi, and, and playing against Australia in the final. Now, from a, a supporter base, the Samoans, how heavily supported will they be in this final? Is there a, a, a large population of Samoan heritage uh, in England, in the UK? Well, no, I, I've got to say I've seen, obviously, when Tonga played more New Zealand, Australia, quite obviously, um, I, I think, though, the reaction was from the English uh, after the defeat was, oh, well, begrudgingly, well, I suppose we're going to have to cheer for Samoa for the, for the final to beat Australia. So those people who are committed to tickets, I get the feeling, are going to, you know, lend the support. P- people from afar are worried, oh, well, gee, that's going to affect the crowd. But, I mean, I was here in 2013 calling the final Australia-New Zealand, and that was a, a world record test crowd of, you know, almost 80,000 at Old Trafford. So... The last figure I'd heard is they'd sold over 55,000. I'm not sure how accurate that is uh, right now. I haven't got an up-to-date figure, but um, I've called I've called it Old Trafford way back in 2000. There was 44,000, and it was a superb atmosphere. So anywhere between 44 and 80 is still going to be fantastic on um, on Saturday for Australia, New Zealand in the women's, and Australia, Samoa in the men's. Now, Vossi, you are one of the great lovers of sport, not only just rugby league around the world and I love the history and the length that you go to to ring the history, but we, we're watching what the old 1990 game two and the Kangaroo Tour at Old Trafford. And Old Trafford mm, is a stadium. Yeah. We've spoken to Badge about it at length, about how great that stadium is. Where does that sit amongst some of the, the great locations around the world in sport, especially rugby league? Yeah, look, I've, from this part of the world, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to go and call at Wembley. Uh, I've called it Millennium Stadium in Cardiff. So you're talking the the biggest stadiums over here. But I would count Old Trafford as absolute top of the pile. Um, and I'll tell you what makes the uh, football ground special is that, like, it's like going to Newcastle for the first game, St James Park. They are just, they, they belong to the club. So if we go along to Suncorp Stadium, I don't feel like I am going to Broncos hallowed turf. I go to Old Trafford and you walk in and it's Manchester United wall to wall. I go to Newcastle and it's, you know, Bobby Robson everywhere. It's black and white everywhere. So that gives it, that, that gives those stadiums that little bit extra, um, which is something we can't achieve in Australia. I mean, like Allianz Stadium now is the, you know, the tenancy is multiple sports, multiple teams. But over here, Old Trafford belongs to Manchester United and Rugby mm. League just gets a little look in, uh, for one or two games a year. Well, one game, basically, uh, grand final, and that's it. So, um, yeah, that, that's what makes these stadiums special. I think the best stadiums I've walked to in the world are the ones that hit you when they're empty. Um, and, and Old Trafford knocks you for six. 
But having said that, as the lover of rugby league, Gary, and you may have got to play there, I walked into Castleford's ground last week. Oh, I was bowled over by how good that is, the intimacy of that, the old stands, the tiny dressing rooms. There's a, there's a, there's a fireplace in the home dressing room because from, from the days when they played it in the winter, you know, like, it was bloody cold. Yes. Um, the, the away dressing room, get this, fellas, the away dressing room at Castleford, you could comfortably hold probably 10 to 12 players. <laughs> comfortably hold 10 to 12. Um, you know, two urinals and, and, a, and a shower along the wall and just a little area. It was incredible. I went to Batley's home ground, which is on a hill, Mount Pleasant, and the ground from one end to the other has a drop of between four and five metres. Dead said, I would be puffed running from one end of the field to the other. It is uphill like you would not believe. There are some charming venues over here. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. I did play at Castleford because I played for Castleford for a, a few months. Hey, does that, Mossy, mm. given what you're saying about, you know, fans of uh, England, whoever, will be going for some Are the kangaroos the villains? Will they be outnumbered and booed, or, do, or are that many Aussie uh, tourist, touring no. uh, parties over there that there'll be plenty of Roos fans at Old Trafford? Yeah, plenty of Roos fans at Old Trafford, and it's just good natured, and, and that's where. That's where rugby league sort of says to other sports, particularly football, as in soccer, you are kidding yourself. You cannot go to a soccer game over here without fan segregation. You go to a rugby league game, Aussie sits next to Kiwi, Aussie sits next to Tongan, Tongan sits next to Samoa. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, I do. It's, it's good natured. And, and that's something we should really value. Um, um, and, and we, you know, has there been any violence in crowds? I haven't heard of any at the, at the Rugby League World Cup. Um, uh, you know, I think that is something that, you know, this small sport in the world scheme of things, Rugby League can, can, teach, uh, can teach the football world. I mean, we had it in Sydney on the weekend, the Wanderers Sydney FC derby. There was, you know, a little bit of drama that we have to have segregation. Well, why do we have to adopt segreda- segregation of football around the world? Uh, you know, it, Rugby League's doing its little bit over here, and um, I think it'll be a really good-natured crowd on Saturday, and they're going to be thoroughly entertained by the four sides that we have on display. We'll get Victor Radley in to sort them out, hey? <laughs> Woody, what do you reckon? Yeah. Now, no, that's a good idea. What are you going to miss when you come yeah. home? After, what, seven weeks or so, Vossi? What are you going to miss about England? Oh, what am I going to miss? Um, well, I'm not going to miss people vaping. Um, that's, that's <laughs> driving me spare. Uh, every second person you bounce is, is on the vape. Um, I'm not going to miss the cobblestones. You know, like, like, yes, rustic charm, but after a while your feet start to hurt walking cobblestones. You know, it's not medieval times yet. They've still got the cobblestones everywhere. I, no, I just miss, I do miss just the appearance, the little towns, the old stone buildings. You know, you walk past uh, stone buildings that are older than any building we've got in our major city. Um, it, it is a... As I say, I see the beauty, and, and being up here in the north of England, the Pennines, you know, it's a, every time you hop on a train, it's a fabulous train trip, you know, looking out at the scenery. And I, as I said, I, I learned from the 2013 World Cup, you've got to get out and have the whole experience and, and go into those little rugby league towns. And, you know, I've been like to, to Dewsbury and things like that. Um, so I've been very lucky, and, and the little pubs. So I, yeah. I ticked off the bucket list on Saturday. I wasn't calling the England Samoa semi final. Had an opportunity to go to London, but I thought, nah. I was in um, Ellen Road in Leeds the night before, so I went over to Halifax and I went to the Three Pigeons pub at Halifax, this <laughs> tiny old pub, 250 years old. Sat in a little room back corner, 
tiny screen in the corner listening and observing the poms around me watching the game. Um, and, I, and, I, and I shouted them all. I shouted, like, there was only, the room was so small, we had about nine or ten. So I shouted them all, and I pulled out a packet of biscuits, put it on the table, they were all great, and, and that, was a, that was a really nice moment on the tour. Just, you know, almost, you know, fitting in as a, as a local. Yeah, very English. Is there some chicken brand that you've, you've uncovered that you're going to miss? Ooh, I heard you talking yeah, about it with Leon yeah, Price um, Yeah, Huddersfield, um, Uddersfield, sorry, birthplace rugby league. Um, I've got a trivia question to finish for you blokes at, at the end of this on the history of the game. Uh, so Marston's chicken, I've been told about it, this little chicken chicken hut. Can I fit two customers in at a time? If the world knew about Marston's chicken, you know, uh, Colonel Sanders, he would have been sleeping on a park bench. There's no way with KFC gone anywhere. Marston's chicken in Huddersfield is the best chicken I've ever had. I can believe it. So any time that I've had a trip that sort of can deviate back through Huddersfield, I've been getting off at the station hopping in an Uber, going to Marston's Chicken and, and then going back to the station and carrying on to Manchester. That's how good it is. Now, your trivia boys. Do you want a trivia question? Yes. Yep. Yep. Have one. Yep. All right. So, August 29, 1895 is the birth date of Rugby League. That's when the 22 clubs got together, signed off on the Northern Union, broke away from Rugby Union. My trivia question is, how many years later did it become 13 aside? Because that's what I recognise as rugby league. I reckon 13 it was until what about... What year did it become 13 aside? 1908? 1911? That's no, our guess. No, boys, boys. It was 13 aside when it came to Australia, so, you know... Uh, well, that was England. Australia was 1908, so it was already... Oh, so it had already gone in England. Correct. So, okay, so maybe 1899 or something. The late 1890s. Well, I've, I've steered you away, haven't I? 1906. So 11 years... They essentially, like, when the Northern Union started, we say birthday to rugby league, they, they were still playing rugby union. The next weekend after that meeting, they were playing rugby. Um, they didn't even abolish the line-out for a couple of years, and it was only in 1906 they went to 13 aside and, and introduced the play the ball. So when we talk about the history of the game, I think that we're obliged to acknowledge 1906 is a pretty important year Absolutely, in, the, yeah. in, in what we know as rugby league, 13 aside and... Suddenly they got rid of the ruck and there was an actual play the ball. So um, that's what I've learned and it through my a great game. time walking. Right. Oh, did it what? Did it what? Oh, the best. Best on the planet. Best Boys, on the I've, planet. Got to, Boys. I've got to wrap this we up. Go. We've got to pay some bills, oh, Bossy. It's been great. Get some sleep on the plane home. No days off for you from SEN Breakfast with Brandy, all right? Back to it next week. Good luck with the final. Thanks, mate. I've been told. No, don't need luck. It's going to be a ball. Going to have great fun. Not here for a haircut, fellas. <laughs> There's Andrew Voss calling the game on uh, Fox Sports this weekend. Looking forward to that. This is Off the Bench NRL. We'll be back soon. Welcome back. This is Off the Bench NRL. Time for a racing update for Racing Queensland. Queensland is your place to race this year. Uh, certainly is. Uh, Chris Nelson, hello to you, my friend. Before we uh, get into this weekend's racing, uh, I just want to mm-hmm. have a chat to you. Uh, December 1, Albion Park, uh, we're broadcasting live from the Greyhounds, from the Dogs. Mm. Are you? Are gonna, we? Yeah, well, we are. Do you want to come and join us? Well, what day is that? Well, December 1's a Thursday. Thursday night, Albion Park. 
That could be a chance. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're gonna, yeah, what, yeah, that'd be good fun. We'll have a steak afterwards. It'll be very yeah, nice. Be really good Working food, on yeah. the assumption your uh, greyhound uh, tips are going to be better than your horse. I have got no tips. idea about greyhound, so there's every... I've got no idea about Greyhound, so there's every chance they yes, will be. me too. <laughs> Nelson, I've got your back here, mate. We're okay? just picking Thanks, nothing. Thanks, You always have, and I really appreciate that. Right. Okay, before we get into Saturday and Sunday racing, uh, any news from the week we should be across? No, we've just got the, uh, the start of the carnival, as you know, this week. So that's, that's the big news, the big two races at the Sunshine Coast, the Swiss Ace Plate and the Malula Bar Cup. Um, so we've been building towards that so far this week. So looking forward to it, guys, and, and looking forward to a good... Uh, Saturday of racing across the uh, provincial circuit too. It's Roma Cup Day this Saturday. Oh, beauty. Oh, $45,000 Roma Cup, big field, and it is a TAB meeting, so you can have a bet on that badge. Yes, nice. Okay. And, of course, yep. we'll be also at the Sunny Coast, yeah, and the Goldie. So looking forward yep. to all, mate, as you yeah. mentioned. And uh, we race at Toowoomba in the Twilight Zone. That's another good meeting. And, and Townsville, of course, on Sunday, not the Sunshine Coast because we're racing there on Saturday. Uh, mm. Okay, so. Are we getting tips now? Who are we looking out for? Who are we looking for? Nelson? Um, well, let's see if we can find. Uh, do you want value or do you want. Oh, just winners? something that'll finish. Mm. Mm. Something that'll, yeah, beat more sats. than two horses home. <laughs> <laughs> no, so anything you give us will come with a lot of research and... Exactly. Yeah. A lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat and tears. Exactly. Here we go. Race three, number two, Soothsayer. Race six, number nine, Logan Street Lion. And race seven, number nine, Jay Sui Bell. And my roughie of the day is in the Malula Bar Cup. Race eight, number 11, Street Dancer for David Van Dyke, who trains on track and has already firmed up some $24 into about 12 So wow. maybe I'm not the only one that likes it. Mm. That'd be a nice fast track too, wouldn't it? There's been no rain yes. at all. Mm. No, no rain at all. It'll be good, I reckon, upgraded to a good a good four, upgraded to a good three during the afternoon because I think we're going to get a 27-degree day with just uh, sunshine everywhere. So everything's very dry. It hasn't taken long to dry out, and it won't take long to get wet again if it rains. Can you can you say them all just, just a bit slower for those of us that aren't as quick as others, you know, a bit... Well, you got two, your pen race there? Race two, number six. Yep. No, race three, number two. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> race six, number nine. Race seven, number nine. And the roughie was race eight, number 11. That's and they're all at the Sunshine Coast. Each way. They are all at the Sunshine Coast. I know you like a bet at uh, the Gold Coast badge. Yep. And, and that's Saturday? That's Saturday. That's Saturday. Saturday the 20th. All right. Sorry, Chris. This Saturday. It's a in-house joke. All right. Uh, Have you got anything for us at the Gold Coast? Yeah, there's one off the trials. Race two, number six, Yasmin. First starter from the Chris Wallace stable. I don't know what price it'll be uh, this early, but uh, gee, trialled really well. Race two, number six. All righty. Anything in the Roma Cup you can suggest? No, No, not at all. You're on your own there, guys. Queensland. (laughs) That's right. Queensland is racing. Well, we want to get you. What about 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 8.30, 9 o'clock? At the local watering holes in Roma after Roma. a big ba- race day. Mm. Yeah. Get me part of that. Hey, yeah. um, and, and by the way, it's the start of the Summer Carnival, uh, the Malula Bar Cup, isn't it? It is. And the Summer Carnival, there's 11 meetings, Jason. They go right through until Magic Millions Day on the 14th of, uh, of January. And on the 31st, New Year's Eve, we race at Doombin. We've got a big meeting there. And we race at Toowoomba in the evening with the running of the three-quarter of a million dollar King of the Mountain. So a big day yeah, New Year's Eve. Yeah, that's going to be massive. And yeah. night. That's yeah. going to be great. Uh, Queensland is racing. The action continues this week across the Sunshine State. Visit racingqueensland.com.au. Thanks, Nelson. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.